Good evening. The presenting sponsor of 30 and Nerdy Podcast is Advertising Expressions. Advertising Expressions exists to promote your business, school, church, or even your podcast, just like they do for the quite fine show, 30 and Nerdy. They promote such organizations by getting their name in front of as many as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. So whether you advertise on your rear window, or wear a shirt so that strangers on a train know where you work, be sure that advertising expressions can help you. After all, I confess that their service is absolutely murder. Contact them today and tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you to see what deals are in store. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome back to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Thank you for tuning in yet again. So this episode's going to be a little different. A uh, couple reasons. One, we have a guest host joining in here in a little bit, and that is Paige from Reverie True Crime Podcast. And I, uh, I'm very excited to get to talk to her very anxious very excited to see what is in store uh we are talking counting down our own personal top 10 female superheroes of the nerdiverse so we are extremely excited for this episode however sad at the same time the juice is not loose on this episode sadly uh little emma is at home sick uh, sadly, so he is taking care of her and Emma. Get well soon, Juice. Get back soon. Take care of that sweet little Emma for us, and uh, we will get you back on here soon. And we will see you soon, brother. All right. So before we get to the fun, let's get through some business first. If you want to follow the nerds of Thirty and Nerdy Podcast, that is very simple. Go to Thirty and Nerdy Podcast dot. Okay, now there, while you're on the website, there are so many features, so many things you can check out. There's the directory. You can find all of our social media platforms at the directory. However, one that has not been added is a Twitter handle you need to be following. That's at NerdyJD1. That's right. The juice is loose on Twitter, and the doctor is writing prescriptions left and right. So please, while you're on Twitter, hit in that search bar at NerdyJD1. And the number one. So give him a follow. Also, while you're at the website, scroll on down to the bottom, subscribe to the Nerdly Newsletter. That goes out every now and then, and it updates you on behind-the-scenes things, giveaways coming up, episodes coming up, season stuff. So please follow along. Subscribe to that Nerdly Newsletter, and you will not miss out on 30 and Nerdy Podcast. That's not all. While you're on the website, you can also check out all the amazing organizations that we support as a show. 
check that out, 30andnerdypodcast.com. You can also creep in to the Council of Nerds just a little bit. Not behind the scenes, but you can get to know the Council of Nerds a little bit in a brand new segment on the website, Voices of the Show. Now, those are voices, not just me and Juice, but people who have been on the show, and it is going to constantly be built up as people join in on the show. And I did not, I have not really talked about this yet. I have talked about it with Claire, but fun fact, the two episodes that Claire guest hosted on are the two most listened to episodes in 30 and nerdy podcast history and let me tell you the episodes are gonna have to go a long way to beat these numbers it is ridiculous i am very thankful for those listens thank you so much claire i can't wait to have you back on the show especially after loki is over so we can talk about our favorite god of mischief. I know you're enjoying the show, so a huge shout-out to you, Claire. Also, don't forget podchaser.com. Go to podchaser.com. You can find amazing independent podcasts. You can rate and review not just shows but entire episodes. You can subscribe to playlists, and in those playlists, like I have two that you need to search, The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Now, in those two playlists, you will find amazing content creators and podcasts, amazing hosts, and great shows. So all of you out there in the Podchaser community, shout out to you. Thank you for helping 30 and Nerdy Podcast get to where it is today. Here's looking at you, Ken M. from ODPH, Rich from 3 Fat Nerds, uh, JT from the East Coast Avengers. Thank you all so much for the help. Shout out to the Council of Nerds. You all are awesome. Can't wait to talk Loki once the show is over. Also, don't forget, go to Instagram. Type in R-E-V underscore C-O-L-L-3-C-T-I-O-N. That's Rev underscore collection on Instagram. Follow that profile, especially if you're into pops, Pokemon cards, all things of that nature. Please, you will not regret it. And last but certainly not least, patreon.com slash badcastcompany. We are at six patrons. We're trying to get to ten. Please help us do that. All it is is $1 a month. If you get us to ten, two things are going to happen. One, you are going to be entered into a giveaway. We will draw a name of all. Only the ten patrons are entered. No one else is entered. Only the ten patrons that have become patrons of the show are entered into this contest. So out of those ten, a name will be drawn, and that will be the winner of the newest Season 3 swag package. Also, when we get to ten, we are going to create and start a Patreon-exclusive show just for you, the patrons. So please, help get us to ten patrons. That's $1 a month. Now, there are other tiers, but all we are asking for is $1 a month. We hope that you subscribe. Patreon.com slash badcastcompany. A lot of things go on there. Deleted scenes, bloopers, a lot of fun things. All right. So, last piece of business. I have a nerd word for you, and that is nerdacity. The audacity that a nerd has. Now, obviously, nerds have a lot of audacity. It's true, whether it's opinions on Star Wars, uh, the season finale of, of Game of Thrones. Some nerds even have such a nerdacity of arrogance, whether it's Marvel versus DC, Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings. So use that in a TikTok video and send it to us. Nerdacity. 
All right, the business is over with. DJ Mike Cowie, take us to the show. It's time to nerd up or shut up. Let's get dangerous. Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Reach out using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can also find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com or check out the website at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Now... Sit back, crank it to 11, the nerds are here. Welcome back, nerds, to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, and I am joined by the amazing Paige from Reverie True Crime Podcast. And Paige, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, a little tired, uh, but... You know, adulting. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't know about where you are, but it has been storming here all yes. day. Yes. So all I've wanted to do is sleep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It hit a few hours ago. Pretty ugly storm. Yeah. I think it's, I'm guessing, remnants off of some coastal storm going on. Now, you are in Mississippi, correct? Yes, yes. Where at in Mississippi? It's really close to Oxford. Okay. Um, I'm in Batesville, which is like 20 minutes away from Oxford. That's cool. That's cool. And now, am I mistaken or did are, are you in Tennessee? I am. I lived okay. in Atlanta for like five weeks before the pandemic happened. I had moved there to pursue acting and because oh, uh, cool. there's so much going on there in the film industry. And then a pandemic hit. <laughs> so mm. uh, that brought me back home. But yeah. uh, it's not been terrible. You know, more family time is always a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. it gave, I think, a lot of people time to focus on family and our inner selves a little bit more. I know I spent a lot of time in 2020 and early 2021 uh, experiencing some... And inner inner turmoil and, and finding how to better myself. Yeah. But what about you? What do you, aside from hosting a very successful, very awesome true crime podcast, what do you do? 
I literally, okay, so I have chronic illnesses and so I can't work like a normal job. I can't drive. And so I just chill at home with my dogs and, you know, that's, that's good for me. Um, my boyfriend lives in Iowa and he comes down like every chance he can get and we spend time together and, you know, mostly I'm just at home working on the podcast and Mm -hmm. that's, that's like my life now. So (laughs) (laughs) you're right though, that, um, you know, 2020 was super life-changing even though you know I'm an introvert and don't really like to go out but it's it's like when you have that choice taken away it's like dang maybe I wanted to go out today Mm -hmm. and you know so you just have to sit back and you know we had a lot of time to reflect on everything and I think we all came out more grateful for a lot of things for sure Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, live theater is picking back up here in my hometown. Uh. And I'm actually in a show called Leaving Iowa right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's ironic. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a pretty funny show. It has a, a, a quick turn near the end of a little bit of sadness but it's about a son who's uh you get flashbacks to their childhood vacations and how he's annoyed by his dad and never really connected with his dad well now as an adult he's taking a trip with his dad's ashes oh wow to try to connect after his dad's been dead He's now trying to connect to his dad so that's crazy flashbacks are very comical and there are comical moments as as the adult, but the heart of the show is that connection he finally finds at the end. Like, wow, it took this long. Yeah. But it happened. So uh, that's funny. Iowa. I, I wow. actually, I did not know a lot about Iowa as a, yeah. a U.S. citizen. <laughs> yeah, well, me either, honestly, <laughs> until I started dating in Iowa. And, um, yeah, I didn't. Didn't know a lot about it at all. So to, we didn't really focus heavy on the accents um, because with with a specific Morristown, Tennessee accent, a lot of it is swallowed. Mm-hmm. Swallow a lot of our words. Mm-hmm. And the director said, if you guys just articulate to the audience, you're going to sound like you're putting on an accent. Yeah. You just say your words and articulate, and it's true. Um, yeah, because here, articulation is a proper accent, and we in Morristown swallow a lot of our words uh, yeah. naturally. And I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about southern accents and podcasting. Yes, we did. And there are common common misconceptions about the southern dialect no matter where it's from whether it's mississippi or tennessee or georgia or texas any of those southern dialects you know it's automatically assumed it's if someone's wanting to play a dumb character exactly they click in a southern accent like southern is dumb Mm -hmm. and we talked about how getting over that in the podcasting world like you just can't think about it yeah you shouldn't have to change 
your accent or who you are because it is who you are at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's something that has always I've been so insecure about it because it's like um, one of the reviews someone left is uh, I don't know how anybody can listen to this because of her accent. And I was like, oh, I knew that was coming. I was waiting on that one. <laughs> yeah. And, but at the end of the day, you know, that's some hateful person who probably isn't pleased by anything in life. True. I always <laughs> think about that when people leave negative reviews, I'm like, I've never left a negative review on anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, wild to me how people have the time to do that yeah it takes so much i feel like it takes so much more time uh and chips away more of at, at our soul yeah. to take the time to leave a negative review than it does to leave a positive review yeah so talk a little bit about your podcast how long have you been doing it i started last january um right before the pandemic hit. So um, in January of 2020, I started it and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it started out as a hobby and I recently just deleted a whole like half of my catalog because when I started it, I really wasn't thinking how passionate I was going to get about it. Mm -hmm. And I used a lot of Wikipedia stuff and just not knowing what to do because I was recording with my phone. I was using pen and paper, you know, all this stuff and not really researching as much as I should. It was just kind of a, a hobby. And yeah. so I just deleted all those episodes and I'm like, you know what? I've just got to do it and I've got to redo them and do them a whole lot better because it's just turned into my passion and I don't want anybody going back and listening and listening to those and being like, what is this crap? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? So, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm working on it every day. I think podcasting in general is definitely a, a learning and growing process for each of us every day. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Uh, me and Josh were joking on an episode, uh, our 100th episode uh, a few weeks ago, uh, that we somewhere are still some recordings of practice runs. Oh, goodness. Uh, on phones and a video on, on his laptop and practice runs before we did the real thing. And oh some of those we were like, uh, should we really keep those around and maybe use them for Patreon or, you know, but it, it is a growing thing. Like it's, it's, it's insane how in just the, the small time we've been doing this show, the growth yeah um because because we looked at it as two nerdy 30 year olds from morristown yeah. tennessee you know small town usa uh in our eyes uh it's not really that small of a town it's you know it's not one red light town <laughs> yeah but, 
and seeing its success. And we're like, God, people are listening to this. Yeah, it's people it's when are- you notice when people are listening, and then it's like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, I don't like this now. <laughs> but uh, considering that you st- you said you started pre-pandemic, and on your social media, on Twitter, you're sitting at almost 6,000 followers. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And your show is listened to. And yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It, it really is weird, but I got to tell you, you know, as much as people like nerd culture, true crime, people yeah. eat that stuff up. Yeah. But and, you know, Netflix I, documentaries or podcasts. Right. And when I got into it, I had no idea how many true crime podcasts that there are out there and more and more every day. And I'm just like, whoa, Um And then you have the people that are saying you're, you know, you're monetizing over someone's death. And that's just simply not true for most people that I know. We just want to tell these victim stories. Mm -hmm. And I just had no idea how big the true crime community was. Like, I I know that there's um, a huge want for nerd culture i love nerdy everything like i'm the biggest nerd i love it um and i just had no idea that true crime was as big as it was i figured you know nerdy stuff would probably be like huge and i'm sure it is but like true true crime crime, is the number genre in it's it's kind of oversaturated a little bit i have to say i mean I had no idea when I came into this, like how much there was. Mm. So, so what got you wanting to start? Just you're interested and you yeah. wanted to just talk about it and record it and see. Yeah. I started, you know, it was in 2006 when I got diagnosed with uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and seizures and all this other stuff. And so I'm in bed a lot. And after years and years of just feeling like, what am I doing? I'm not like contributing to society in any kind of way. What can I do to, you know, um, like at first, okay, I have a friend that's a teacher in Texas, and she was like, hey, do you want to read pieces of these books for my kids at uh, the school I teach at? Because we're doing like this audio thing or whatever. So I would get books, she would send me the books, and I would read um, a couple of chapters. And I was like, well, I love reading. I love researching. And ever since I was a teenager, I've been into you know, true crime, intrigued by all of it, the darkness, the Mm -hmm. victims, the whys, the hows, the what's, like the whole thing. So I was like, oh, maybe I could do that as like a little side hobby and, you know, give me something to do instead of, you know, do this, lay in bed all day. And um, it just made me feel like I had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so... 
I guess a couple of months into it, when I realized people were listening, I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not ready for listeners like this yet. <laughs> it makes you, it makes me really nervous. I don't know about you, but it makes me nervous. I mean, it makes me nervous uh, because I don't want to get anything wrong. Yes. Even though I'm a nerd, there's still so much of nerd culture that I have to learn. Like I, I am not, uh, uh, I haven't truly sat down and read issues upon issues yeah. in years about right. comics. There are stories I remember. There are issues I remember things from, but it's still foggy. And I, to this day, I don't read like I did in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. So there's so much out there now in the comic book market that I'm just not educated to and i'm like i don't want to get anything wrong and be corrected but at the exactly. end of the day i'm like you shouldn't worry about that because people are listening and if you do make a mistake it's it's not like they're calling you out saying like you're an idiot they're just saying oh no hey you don't want to say the wrong thing so i just yeah. want to correct you yeah. um so I, I make sure to if i know that i'm going into an episode where i'm going to mention something and if i'm a little foggy on it I research and I'll look up like, you know, if I'm, I'm talking about Spider-Man and I want to talk about some popular moments, I want to include modern day comic book moments that yeah. I may have not read yet. So I'll research it and maybe read or get the cliff notes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's my biggest fear in, in this is being wrong about something and people listening and, you know, thinking that either I don't know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. or they don't think that and I've told them the wrong thing and they may turn around and say the wrong thing to somebody. Yeah. So that's my biggest fear. My my fear isn't really like, is somebody listening? What yeah. are the numbers? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yes. It, my fear is mainly, you know, am I saying the right stuff? Yeah, exactly. And the big thing, I don't know if they do it to y'all, like, in the nerd world, but, oh, my goodness, over in the true crime world of things, pronunciation mm. is something that people go nuts about. And it's like, there you know. In our world, there's there's two terms that I've coined. There's the fandom menace, which are like toxic fans. Yes. And then there's nerd Nazis. Yeah. They are the people who you pronounce the name wrong. <laughs> and we do from time to time get emails about like, hey, it's pronounced this way and they'll have the mm -hmm. breakdown. And I'm like, okay, sorry. I guess it's a, you know, that's just what I read. That's how I Yeah, read yeah. And I don't know why people can't just like deal with it and move on. and But instead they have to... They have to let you know, like, hey, you said this wrong. And I'm just I, like, oh, I my think God. That comes from, like, we now live in a world where everybody does have a platform mm -hmm. to either insert their opinion or correct. Yes. And so even though there's so much that social media and technology has given us, there's a dark side to where there's oh, trolls yeah. and there's people ready to step up and correct and call people out at the same time for sure oh yeah 
And, you know, just like you were saying, you had to, you know, research sometimes before so you don't get things wrong. I'm going mm-hmm. to 100% tell all of your listeners right now, I have not picked up a comic book. Oh, my God. Since I was a teenager, my dad has a collection of comic books from the 60s to like maybe the early 90s. And, oh, I used to be so obsessed with just looking at them and just thinking, wow, this is timeless. And just going through them and just being so amazed and the fantastic four and like just everything. I loved it. And, you know, I've watched um, movies that are based on comic books and, and such, but when we were coming up with what we're doing today, I found a lot of uh, uh, superheroes that I didn't even know. But then when I read their stories, I was like, Oh, yeah, I love this, mm-hmm. and I want to know more. <laughs> when doing my list that we will get to, um, I changed this list so many times because I would then think of somebody, yeah. and I'd be like, no, they belong on the list. And I was like, why did you say top 10? Like, <laughs> say 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 (laughs) dude i'm telling you i came across so many that i was like okay i was like i want my list to be different Mm -hmm. i don't want it to be what people think it's gonna be Mm -hmm. so i did look for a lot of characters that i didn't really know um now if my number one is actually anywhere in your list. I I just might cry <laughs> because I found this and I was like, oh, this is my number one for sure. So I'm so excited about I'm so excited about this episode. I could just yeah, and and also just to kind of put it out there, when I get to like probably number eight, seven, six, like. The order of these, the, the the list, the order of the list really uh, doesn't make sense. And it's, uh, there's no rhyme or reason for why anyone is really in either number. <laughs> um, I just have, you know, I know the top three are mm. probably, you know, there and they should be there. But the others, I was just like. I don't know what order they should, they should go in. So <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, so before we get to that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your show and how they can find you? Okay, cool. Um, so my podcast is called Reverie True Crime, and I have been recently doing a series about women in Nottingham, England, who the Nottinghamshire police have just, they failed them. And there was this girl named Claire Wood who was murdered by her partner. And she went to the police and she asked if she could see his record to see if maybe he had a history of violence and they couldn't disclose it to her. So when she was murdered by him 
um, her dad fought for Claire's law, which will allow people to go and ask, um, you know, can I have this information on my partner? I want to see if they've got a violent history. Um, but it's not, it's not a law everywhere. Um, just like here, I think, um, you, you would still have to like hire a PI or, um, go through court records. If they're public, if they're sealed off, you just won't know. So there's just so many, just so many flaws. And so I've been doing a series kind of on that. And I've talked to, um, Waco survivor, David Thibodeau and, um, Ted Bundy survivor, Kathy Kleiner. And that's when it really hit me that I wanted to take my show up another notch because I knew I wasn't doing it as well as I should have been and could have been. And I still don't think it's, you know, perfect. I know that there's going to be information that I probably, you know, leave out. Um, but the research, I really spent a lot more time on the research. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. And, um, as far as social media, um, Everything is reverie, true crime, except Twitter. I don't know how that name was taken, but it was. So over there, it is reverie crime pod. Awesome. And you talked about, uh, you know, it's not perfect. You know, it could still be better. I think that that is another thing that, you know, I'm a theater kid and we're podcasters and I'm sure athletes feel the same way. We are never going to think we've done our best at something we as humans are just naturally our own worst enemy and critic Mm -hmm. at the same time yeah we are and you know i think a lot of listeners may not even understand that like especially the ones that are very very critical i don't think they realize how hard we are on ourselves Mm -hmm. we are we're like struggling with it all the time like oh i know it can be better but how can I make it better? What can I do next time? Like, oh, it's just a yeah. huge, it's a huge struggle. Um, someone asked me, a cast member asked me and the show I'm in, uh, do you listen to yourself? And I said, well, I have to edit the show. Yeah. Uh, and that's really when I listen to it. Once it's posted, I very rarely listen to it unless I'm, with my girlfriend in the car and she hasn't heard the recent episode. Yeah. I'll play it. Like if we're on the road somewhere. Oh yeah. Um, but other than that, like if I'm in the car alone, I don't just turn on my podcast. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I, no. I can't do that. I can't. Plus I have such a list throughout the week that I have to stay on top of and keep yeah. up with from, uh, I mean, your podcast and there's a horror sci-fi podcast that I love called Johnny has the keys. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's a Ooh. horror and sci-fi. They're great. And some of the professional podcasts obviously are, uh, have you listened to Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan's yet? I have heard of that, but I have not listened yet. Oh, they are so good. Like okay. So like now it's going to be on my must listen. It's like <laughs> listening to Mary and Pippin just talk all over again and uh, I, I mean i have a 
list that I stay behind on because there's just so many good shows out there from independent podcasters to professional. Mm -hmm. Um, I just recently found out through listening to the office ladies that Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin on the office also has an office podcast. No way. Catching up on that. It's called the office deep dive. Oh my God. People from the show like Krasinski and, and, all these cast and crew and just deep dives into like episodes and moments and not episode by episode, but he'll like start out, like take us back to 2005. You've been cast in the show. What are your thoughts? When did you realize what? And I mean, stories, I was like, dang, I I love that. I mean, my list is, is too long and I stay behind, but. Oh yeah, me too. There's no way. I could listen to every podcast that I love because I've, I've listened like each time I meet somebody new, like I'll listen to an episode of their podcast. And um, when I first came into the community, it was only like four or five people that I knew and Mm -hmm. I would listen to their podcast all the time. And then it just blew up so big where we were all this like huge community. And I was like, there's no way I'm going (laughs) to be able to listen to everybody that I love so much. Um, so yeah, it is very hard to, to, to catch up on all these podcasts and still put in as much time and research as we have to. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a job. Oh yeah. It's a a daily between notes and research Mm. and episode ideas and everything like that. Like what a lot of people don't realize is that independent podcasters, like you and I and thousands upon thousands of them out mm-hmm. there um, work this yeah. show that they're producing like it's their job on yeah. top of most of us working. So yeah. when the cl- when we clock out and sometimes on our breaks, we're, you know, taking notes or. See, that's, that's what's wild to me is that, you know, I don't have a job or children. And then I see people like, you know, all of you that work and have children and still do this. Mm. I, I literally would kiss y'all's feet. Like that is (laughs) amazing. I don't know how y'all do it because just doing it as I want to and, you know, being able to do my own schedule, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just like, how do y'all do it? Y'all work, y'all have kids. Like, how in the world are y'all managing this? And when do you sleep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and then, the, you know, there there's... that I listen to that I've become friends with, like uh, Rich from Three Fat Nerds. Oh, yeah. Has a child, has a wife, has a busy job, and just just slays it every episode yeah and i'm just like i don't know how he does it with a wife and kids (laughs) yeah exactly like i have a job but i don't have a wife and a kid yeah so how they do it i'm just like god my hat's off to you all because right i mean it's just and then at, at the same time you know you're all like editing and doing all of this 
you know, we don't have audio engineers and, you know, all this crazy stuff. It's just us and our computers and the software that mm-hmm. we have to work with. It, I mean, it's wild. It's wild. That's one thing that I love when I do listen to the, like, Billy Boyd and Dominic's or other professional podcasts mm-hmm. when they talk about their producer. And I'm like, I wonder what it's like to have <laughs> Yeah, like, what's that like? <laughs> what Where is you're that just like? a voice. You just show up in the studio <laughs> and talk, and then they do all the stuff. Yeah. Like, I wonder and what that's like. Exactly. And a lot of people have, the, you know, have scripts handed to them. And I'm like, wow, that must yeah. be real nice, <laughs> man. <laughs> it must be very nice. We are going to get to what this episode is about after a quick commercial break we're going to step away for a second and more than 30 and nerdy podcast will return tennessee legend distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits with no high fructose corn syrup artificial sweeteners or harmful ingredients Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Welcome back, nerds. I am with Paige from Reverie True Crime Podcast. In our episode today, she is joining, and we are talking about the top 10 female superheroes in the nerdiverse now this was a very hard thing to do and uh, originally uh josh my co-host uh would be with us but he does have a sick little baby at the house take care of her josh she is a sweetheart i hope emma gets well soon but he did send me his list and we will get to it uh but i they're top 10 and as we said earlier it could easily be 20 30 40 blah 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 for sure and still be hard to make probably yeah because there's so many worthy women in our nerdiverse yeah heroes and so many reasons why they belong in this these top 10 lists and 
impacts that they've made on people's lives and storylines and oh yeah and now we get to see a lot of them come to life in the in the cinema and all that and it's just fantastic so just to let the listeners know these were very difficult lists to make yes I, I I honestly didn't realize how many women you know were in the comic book world mm. I had no idea and then the stories, I was like, wow, these are some really deep, dark mm -hmm. stories. And, you know, I, I didn't think about it when I was little reading comic books like my dad had. But now I look back on it and I was like, we were reading these things and didn't really realize maybe at that young age that that was what their background story was and it's just like wow that was dark and children mm. like were consuming it. it it just blew my mind and i think what i've found is sad uh with some of what society is is there are still so many stories of these women that people in the mainstream don't know because they're just not, they're not really avid readers or they're not yeah. being told on screen. And if they're not being told on TV or on screen, people aren't seeing them. True. And there are so many powerful moments. And I, and I, I will say, I don't want to get too political, but I think that says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> about the society we live in still today, even in 2021. And I would, you know, people say we've come so far and most of the time I'm like, I'm ah, not as far you as we should. You sure? You sure about that? <laughs> really not as far as we should. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And man, and doing this, it has made me want to just go out and like just buy a bulk of comic books and just immerse myself in it because I'm like, wow, I... I didn't know a lot of these characters that I put on my list, but now I feel connected to a lot of them, which, you know, like, just like with all my books that I have, I get connected to the characters in the book and then I get sad when it's over. So I, I kind of had the same feeling when I was making this list. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought we would start at 10 okay and kind of go around and i will also read josh's pick that he sent me and i will go ahead and preface that uh josh's list uh is his ranking is based on impact in the comics and culture longevity in comics the power of the character and his own personal bias Okay. So that's well, that's awesome. I, I have no structure to mine. So that is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so let's start at number 10 and let us start with you. Okay. So my number 10 is Dead Girl. Ooh. And 
All right, so Moonbeam, known as Dead Girl, is part of Marvel Comics. She made her first appearance in 2002 in X-Force Volume 1, Issue 125. And I think that she is really, really badass. Um, She relocates to New York because she really wanted to be an actress, but like her dreams were cut short because she was killed by this guy that I think was an actor that she had like a one night stand with. And she is a mutant with the power to come back from the dead. So she went into like full vigilante justice mode and she slayed her killer. And then she decided that she was going to move out to California. And then she turned into like this freelance adventurer. And at the time, the X-Force was looking for a member and she joined forces with them. Um, And their leader was Mr. Sensitive. And Mm -hmm. he was rebranded as Mm X-Statics. Because one of the team members, You Go Girl died during a mission and it was her one final request that you know he changed his name to that for some reason see i don't i don't know i don't know why but that was her request (laughs) (laughs) um so dead girl and another member another member of ecstatics anarchist went on this short-lived death and anarchy adventure that really showed off dead girl's capability to come back from any kind of deadly attack and she started going on missions in africa malaysia india and many other places well some extremely disturbing things were on the brink of happening and for this alone is like where she gets all of my respect as a superhero she was told that a mortician brad gutman was violating dead bodies that were in his mortuary and he was actually going to molest his own daughter's deceased body And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is deep. This is dark. Very dark. Oh, man. And I had no idea they wrote these kind of things in comic books. That's that's what a lot of, you know. Wild. A lot of mainstream don't realize that it's not just DC that dives into the dark. Marvel has dove into the dark before, too. Yeah, I just didn't know that comic books got Mm -mm. this nitty gritty, you know. And then she killed his trifling ass before, you know, he had the chance to actually carry out that molestation. So of the, of this deceased daughter of his, that's just so Mm. disgusting to me. So she gets all of my respect for that, but she did bring him back to life just for him to be assaulted by the spirits of those that he did violate. And then he was dead again. Mm. So, um, So she is now the reason why I did put her at number 10 is that she did eventually succumb to an illness and could not come back to life. Mm -hmm. And she completely fell apart and her body was rotting. Mm -hmm. So since she did eventually pass away, I was like, well, that's kind of like a lot of characters don't die 
Um, so the fact that she did, I kind of put her at number 10 because I think she's badass, but at the same time, I don't think she was here long enough, man. Mm-hmm. She, that she was kick ass to me, but oh, her, God. um, her powers, um, uh, her mutation was triggered by death. Um, it says she has immortality, but you know, she did succumb to an illness, <laughs> but uh, she didn't require food, water, heat, or oxygen for sustenance. And she had regenerative uh, healing factors that she could rebuild her molecular structure from virtually any attack, regardless wow. of, you know, how much damage or destruction she went through, even if she was reduced to a skeleton. So, that just makes me question like i guess they just wanted to maybe kill her off and not have her as a character anymore yeah you know sometimes sometimes those that those stories happen when writers and creators feel that a character has run its course the sad thing about comics is so many good yeah. stories that were told that run its course and end stay there and don't get brought back where many many mainstream names like i can't tell you how many times you know characters like iron man have died but yeah. come back or wolverine's died before but he's yeah. been brought back and he <laughs> technically was supposed to be immortal but he died they killed him off uh-huh. and then brought him back down the road with the resurrection of wolverine and so mm-hmm. it, it is sad to see those moments happen but i do think that it just brings power to the story she did get to tell. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very, very impressed. That is obscure. <laughs> you did some digging. Oh, I did some. Oh, I tried my best to do some real good digging because I was like, I want to put some people on my list that hopefully that you wouldn't put on yours. And I was like, let's see if I can do this. <laughs> you, there, you started off strong. Dead girl did not make my list. Okay. Um, and hopefully this educates some listeners to go read dead girl. Yeah. Read some stories about dead girl. For sure. Wow. Well, I will go ahead and read Josh's. Okay. Uh, his number 10 is wasp. Oh. from The Avengers. And Wasp is, in the mainstream of today, uh, known as kind of Ant-Man's, Scott Lang's Ant-Man's girlfriend in the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Wasp is actually the person in the comics who coins the name The Avengers. She is the reason they get called The Avengers. In the original Avengers story, Loki is the reason that they have to come together and she coins their name the avengers so wasp definitely belongs on the list however she is not on mine sorry josh Uh, (laughs) my number 10 is kamala khan Uh uh-huh khan i think belongs on the list of the top 10 and she probably belongs a little further down in my opinion but there were so many um she has made a name and an impact uh, in a very short amount of time, she is the first yeah. Pakistani-American uh, comic book character, superhero. And she has the same, very similar abilities to Mr. Fantastic. She stretches and she can elongate herself to be giant. And she has hit the mainstream recently in the Avengers video game that yeah. came out. 
and she will be getting her own show for Disney Plus at the end of this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so people will be introduced finally in the mainstream to Kamala Khan. And I believe she belongs on this list because of the impact alone that she has made in a very short amount of time. Yes, for sure. She was going to be on my list. I had her written down. I was, you know, reading about her. And then I don't know. I was like, I have so many on my list. I don't even know how to choose. So I did read a little bit about about her. All right. So let's go to number nine. Number nine for mine is Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Mm. So, um, Cardwell Rivington is Sheena's dad, who was exploring and traveling around Africa, and she was right by his side. And a witch doctor in the area made a mystic potion, and her dad mistakenly drank this potion, and he kicked the bucket. So, now Sheena was in Africa, all alone, orphaned. And this witch doctor that had made the potion, his name was Koba, and he ended up taking Sheena in and raising her as his own, and he would school her on the ways of the jungle and what to do and what not to do, and taught her these languages from central the Central African area. And uh, when Sheena grows up, she becomes the queen of the jungle and she dons like a red dress at first. But by the 10th issue of Jumbo Comics, she's wearing that famous leopard print outfit. And um, there was also a monkey named Chim that turned into her little kick-ass sidekick. And uh, Sheena was first in the British magazine called Wags, number 46, in January of 1938. And um, she made her first awesome appearance uh, stateside in Fiction House's Jumbo Comics, number one. And afterwards, she was in every issue from September 1938 to April 1953. Um, Let's see. There's so much information that I gathered about these characters and like the years they were in what. And um, she she was around until, let's see, I, I guess 1953. Um, she, well, she's been in multiple comics up until 2018. I'd correct myself on that. Um, let's see. Sheena fights everything under the sun, including but not limited to Hostile natives, hostile animals, giants, a super ape, the green terror, uh, saber-toothed tigers, voodoo cultists, gorilla men, devil apes, blood cults, devil queens, dinosaurs, army ants, lion men, lost races, leopard birds, cavemen, serpent gods, vampire apes, and more. And at first, her powers were capabilities to communicate with wild animals, but then she got really good with knives, spears, and bows. Um, In the 1984 film version, she had telepathic communication with jungle animals, and in the 2000 TV series version, she was able to shapeshift into any animal that she made eye contact with. So that is my number nine. Wow. You just educated me. I was like, oh crap, like y'all are y'all are so good at this, and I'm just like sitting here writing biographies. 
no but that's that's awesome i had never heard of her no way no she's one that i actually knew and like remembered from childhood seeing her picture um so she is one that i did know a little bit about and a 2000 tv series Wow. Yeah. Now I didn't know about the TV series, but I'm kind of curious to see how they, uh, how they, if they did it any justice and if it was good. Okay. Looking at a picture now, she does look familiar. Yeah. Are you looking at like the old comic version? Yes. yes. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely think I've seen her, but I've definitely not read it. Goodness gracious. Thank you. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That's awesome. Wow. Well, Josh's number nine is Black Widow. Oh, good one. And Black Widow, as we know, is Natasha Romanoff, who in many iterations of the comics had started out bad and mm-hmm. switched to good and then she's been bad again and then good again and then bad again and then good again <laughs> yes she switched being the ultimate spy uh probably next to nick fury she is the ultimate spy and has been good and bad more than most modern day wrestlers have in the wwe <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> and she is uh, amazing at hand-to-hand combat uh weaponry um she in the most recent iteration that everybody would know about is she is played by Scarlett Johansson. Yes. And does a fantastic job. And her movie is coming out literally in a couple of weeks, which sadly it was one of the ones affected by the pandemic. Oh um, man. And I was sad by it because for years now I had been like Black Widow needs a movie, Black Widow yeah. needs a movie. And when it finally happens, then the pandemic oh, hits, pushes man. It back and but it's finally coming out July 9th, so I'm very excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is Storm from the X-Men. Okay, good and, pick. Good pick. She's not on my list because I knew that <laughs> she was probably going to be on yours. <laughs> but I love Storm so much, so this is exciting for me. So glad Storm's she's on your list. Impact uh, for not just women, but for African-American women in comics was huge. It was very pivotal Um, at a time where, uh, you know, being a mutant, first of all, I mean, Stanley created the mutants uh, in aspects of civil rights and Mm -hmm. uh, being gay in America and being different for some reason. And uh, for instance, like Professor Xavier and Magneto were based off of, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Wow, I had no idea yes. that this went um, this deep at all. How how Xavier handles mutant on human relations is how MLK handled it. Peace, wow. love, yeah. help them when they need it. Love will always win out, whereas Magneto handles it like Malcolm X. Fight back. Yeah. If they're going to be violent, we're going to be violent. So. Wow, I just have chills all over me, just yeah. so you know that... That I had no idea about that. Now I have chills. That's why I think Storm makes such a huge mm-hmm. impact. Is because she's not just a mutant; she's a woman, and she's not just a woman mutant. She's an African American woman mutant, and she made yes. such a huge impact, not just in the comics, but when they brought her to the movies. Oh yeah. And Halle Berry played her. 
um, which at first I was like, oh, man, I didn't want someone already known to play. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I wanted I someone new, you know, but I think Halle Berry at the end of the day did a good job. Yeah. And then we got another iteration of Storm in the reboot, requels, first class, young Storm version we got to see in Age of Apocalypse. And she did good. And I mean, her abilities of manipulating and controlling the weather, um, causing thunderstorms and mayhem and lightning <laughs> and snow and just, yeah. I, I just, I love Storm. And I think that when I think Storm, I think of my favorite version of Storm is the 90s X-Men cartoon Storm. Mm-hmm. And I always think of her in that white and gray suit and the white hair and the voice actress who played her and just yes. the amazing dynamic that she brought to the team and the lines that she was given and just she was epic. Storm is an impactful character and an, and an amazing uh, female superhero uh, that I think moving forward in the MCU, I cannot wait to see who plays her next and how they how yeah. they bring her in oh i will be so excited to see that too i'm very excited for that yeah so number eight okay number eight la luna Tika, also known as luna la luna Tika is a part of marvel comics uh, ten years before she gets controlled by the Theater of Pain, which I'll get into what that is, but she actually was a hunter of people for the theater. And one of her powers was that she was able to trigger traumatic emotional memories, and the people working with the theater would record her ability to do that. Now, one of the first times she's seen is when she's working for the Theater of Pain, which was led by by, uh, a villain named Brimstone Love. Mm -hmm. And this Theater of Pain was completely illegal. Innocents were kidnapped and tortured for pure entertainment, which also, again, is really dark. And... um, Luna's superior was named Controller 13, and he controlled her by forcing her to wear this collar. And so at this point, she isn't quite a good, you know, she's not a superhero. She's definitely a villain at first, but she does turn it around. She ends up kidnapping Bloodhawk, Skullfire, Crystalline, and Mean Streak. And she took them to what is called the dark room of the theater of pain. And she triggers one of Skullfire's memories about his own powers, which caused the death of his girlfriend at the time, Reiko. Mm-hmm. Well, this traumatic memory sets off his wild capability of soaking in and then emitting covert energies. And this absolutely destructs the dark room and it ends up like ripping off her collar makes the collar stop working i'm not sure Mm -hmm. which one but the collar just stopped working which is what is keeping her in prison there so once she realized she was no longer held captive there she debilitated controller 13 and got the hell out of there 
So basically after escaping, she's constantly on the run, hiding from all of these agents who are just adamant about getting her back into the theater of pain. And Luna starts saving people. She saved one guy named Junk Pile and paid him to be her bodyguard. And they head to El, pa- um, El Paso, Texas. And mm-hmm. on her travels, um, she runs into people that, that she's actually hurt in the past. And she has to kind of convince them, like, hey, I swear, like, I didn't want to do it. They were controlling me. And, you know, this wasn't done by my free will. So she's running into all kind of characters and um, she's hiding out with a character named the driver when they were both attacked by the boss of the theater, Brimstone Love. And Brimstone eventually lets Luna go because she had basically led him to one of the guys that he was looking for. So she eventually becomes a part of the X-Men team. Yes. And there's there's a lot of backstory of X Men 2099. Yes. Um. But before its cancellation, Luna, you know, is still a superhero, and she's last seen watching over humans and mutants, both constructing the first living quarters of this like brand new civilization. Yes. Um. And she actually. I do know about <laughs> a li- not not a whole lot, um, but I know that she was the reason that maybe some listeners don't know about her is Marvel and both DC. Like if if you're a, he- a heavy follower of DC Comics, they talk about the multiverse and there's all these multiverses. Well, the mm-hmm. way that Marvel handled the multiverse is they had different Earths, and her Earth was, and I'm. I'm pretty sure it's 92 earth 92 b is her earth um in the marvel realm which is why a lot of people may not have stumbled upon her because she's not very mainstream um the main uh earth 616 is the most popular marvel comic book earth yeah where a lot of the mainstream that's true reside because Uh, even i've heard of that so i know that's (laughs) yes that's uh is the popular earth for marvel it uh that's that's fantastic uh i remember her being very uh pale yeah yes very pale uh white hair white skin red eyes so i think so i should have saved uh some of their pictures to look back on too. Uh, yes, yes, we got our picture right here. Yes, she is very white hair, red eyes, very pale. Um, that's a great choice. <laughs> Thank you. Great choice. So Josh's number you. eight is Supergirl. Now. Most everybody knows Supergirl, cousin of Superman, Kara Zor-El. In the most recent rendition of Supergirl, we have had Melissa Benoist playing her on the CW and doing a great job. I've enjoyed the Supergirl show. We have a new um, Supergirl uh, that is recently, I don't know if you've known this, but, uh, you know, the, the Flash movie is coming out soon. Yes, uh, yes. Within a, I think next year. Um, but uh, they cast uh, actually a Latin X 
Supergirl. And it is uh, Sasha Kelly. Oh, wow. Who will be playing donning the the Kryptonian S in the movie. Uh, and that is awesome. It is awesome. It is very awesome. Uh, you can go on YouTube and uh, find her her announcement video. Uh, the director, uh, Muschietti, actually like was on a FaceTime call with her or a Zoom call. And oh was just talking to her and he was like, can you fly? And she's like, well, no. And he was like, would you like to? Would you want to come play with us? And she's oh, like, yeah, sure. My and he goes, God. well, you're going to need this. And he, he holds up the costume and she just starts pulling oh. her eyes out. Oh, man, crying. I'm going to lose it. I'm oh, going to lose so good. it. It's going to melt my heart when I watch uh, it was so good, I and I think Supergirl's a great choice to be on this list. Uh, she made an impact on her own. Everyone, you know, who'd be like, oh, it's just Superman's cousin. She made an impact unlike Superman. She, you know, did it her own way. She didn't always follow the steps of the great Superman. You know, she did it her own way. She did it in her own image, and she had her own following and her own fan base, and and she's made an impact in our comic book culture. So uh, I think it's a great choice, Josh. Uh, actually, sure. she's also on my list. We'll get to that when we get there. Um, my number eight is Batwoman. Ah. Uh, Batwoman. Uh, Kate Kane. Um, and I, she's on my list because she made a huge impact in the comics because she is of the LGBTQ community. And she's of, of the Bat family. Mm-hmm. Um, her her calling card is this red wig, big red hair that she has while donning her cape and cowl. Yeah. Uh, if you look up a picture of her, uh, she's awesome. She's fantastic with hand-to-hand combat. She follows a lot of the Batman storylines and lineage. And once she's introduced, she, she kicks ass and takes no crap from even Batman himself. And kind of very, very, uh, she's cavalier in a lot of ways where Batman is not. And she's made just as big an impact in a very short of time that a lot of characters in DC Comics have. And Right. I don't think I know a lot about Batwoman. So the when you said she was a part of the LGBTQ community, like I had no idea. She actually no has idea. a show on CW. You can catch up on season one and season two is on right now. Oh, awesome. Um, in the first season, Batwoman is Kate Kane, played by Ruby Rose. And in season two, it's a different Batwoman because Ruby left the show. But they've created a different character oh, okay. to don the cowl as, as Batwoman, and she's she's done great. She's fantastic. Oh, I will definitely have to uh, catch that for sure. I want to know more about her. Like all of these women, like I want to know more about all of them now. <laughs> well, you'll definitely have to check them out. Yeah. So, moving on, number seven. Number seven. On my list is Medusa. Ooh, good choice. Um, she was birthed into a family of royal inhumans, raised as an elite who uh, was supposed to eventually become queen. 
Mm-hmm. And when she got a little older, she turned into a rebellious little chick because her parents were so stern and strict and she was tired of it. So uh, at a really young age, she was engaged to Black Bolt. Mm -hmm. But when Black Bolt was in isolation for years, she didn't really feel a connection. And she got a little flirty with his little brother, Maximus. Well, eventually, Medusa started to contact Black Bolt electronically. And they bonded a lot during that time. They even made up their own sign language to talk to each other. So only they would know what each other were saying. So after she and Black Bolt continued to learn about each other more, she fell in love with him. And it was a tragedy after his release from quarantine that actually made them even stronger and closer than ever. Because after he was out of isolation, his parents died. So... It gets kind of crazy for many reasons. There's the alpha primitive worker race and they were drones who did all the physical work. So the elite inhumans didn't have to. Um, They revolted against the inhumans and Medusa ended up fighting their warriors called. You're going to have to tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Tricon. I mean, that's how I pronounce it. That's how I pronounce it. Okay. Okay, don't come for me, nerdos. I love you. Don't come for me. <laughs> so during the sled, and she had a major, and for a while she was traveling around just with amnesia. So I'm assuming she was just off wandering about with no memories, and she ended up in Paris. And she met a thief named Paul Dumas, and they kind of teamed up together. But Paul was teaching her about human society from a criminal's perspective. And they even committed a few crimes together, but he would come on to her romantically, but she wasn't having it. And because this man couldn't handle being let down or told no, he framed her for all of the crimes that he also had a hand in. So she started steering clear from Europe's bigger cities and she became super introverted in a uh, Mediterranean island and her story just gets really crazy. There's a wizard who was a villain who comes up on her and he's like, I want you to be the fourth member of my criminal gang, Frightful Four. And later, you know, he started to use his mind manipulating machine to rope her in and keep her with the team. Well, then here comes the X-Men, and they're not having any of this shit. They stopped the wizard's power over Medusa, and they restored her memory. So the inhuman royal family found where Medusa was, and they rescued her back to Adeline. Mm -hmm. And while Medusa was gone, like a lot of things have changed, Black Bolt's brother Maximus had taken over Adeline, and he sent the royal family into banishment. He also placed Medusa's engagement to Black Bolt onto himself. I mean, can you even imagine? This is insane. So, when the inhuman royal family were all back together in Adeline, everything went back to normal. So, I mean, I wrote so much on Medusa. She's like crazy. It's just amazing to me. Um... 
Due to generations of eugenics, most inhumans, including Medusa, are slightly superior to humans in strength, Mm -hmm. reaction time, stamina, durability to injuries, speed, and natural uh, lifespan. So most inhumans have a genetic weakness to human pollutants, but Medusa Mm -hmm. does not. This is what fascinates me the most about Medusa. Of course, when we think of you know, Medusa, we think of the uh, kind of like historical version of Medusa. Uh, snake hair. Yes, yes. Well, her hair grasps onto anyone or anything. She decides when her hair grows, when it moves, and she can make any single strand of her hair move separately. Her hair is over six feet long and she can get her hair cut, but she can instantly grow it back. And some consider that maybe her hair actually can't be cut or broken unless she lets it happen herself. So her hair is used like extra arms and legs for many things, including beating someone brutally with her hair. She can uh, use a single strand to pick locks and she can use her hair like as a whip. And Medusa has formed her hair to be a parachute so she can live through long falls and her hair can lift over 1.6 tons. So Medusa is known to chill with the Fantastic Four. And Mm -hmm. um, she was a part of the group for a little while, I believe. But um, she would help them out sometimes and they would help her. And, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg with her story and and what happens to her throughout the years. But it would take so long to explain the trials and tribulations that she goes through. But she's awesome. I love that power with her hair. It's amazing. Yes. um, She has had uh, many awesome stories. Um, She's showed up in tons of comics and animated shows. Marvel did try to do a live action TV show of the Inhumans and it failed miserably, uh, mainly because it came on ABC and just budgetary wow. stuff. I mean, that's a world that really needs a big budget for yes. graphics and stuff like that and CG and, and costuming. And they just didn't have the budget to really make the Inhumans look good. And so it failed miserably, sadly, because yeah. The Inhumans is a story that I think would be interesting to see unfold. In a, oh, yes. With the right budget. Um, but I would say I think that Marvel's that would very be... iffy at the moment. To yeah. I, I, but I think that like seeing the, the Inhuman story maybe played out in a movie where they had a huge budget to really mm-hmm. show you. Uh, oh, my God. I think that would be, be really, really good. It would. <laughs> so Josh's number seven is Storm, and we have talked about Storm. Yeah. So number seven for me is Jean Grey. Okay. X Men. Very, very probably the it's it's very who is the more powerful Scarlet Witch or Jean Grey? I uh-huh. would, um I think they're just so different. Uh, I don't. I would hate to see the Scarlet Witch go head to head with the Phoenix Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. I think it would be. A crazy battle to see, but I, I couldn't pick a winner. Uh, Jean Grey is uh, the most powerful telepath in the mutants, even more powerful than Professor Xavier himself. She is 
many a time donned the dark phoenix whenever the phoenix force takes over and she's become one of the greatest villains in marvel history when that happens but she's also one of the greatest superheroes when she's just jean gray you know co-leader of the x-men with cyclops her husband and she's she's powerful she's she's strong she's strong-willed and a great leader um i uh I have a bit of an aversion to her. Uh, she's Josh's favorite female superhero, actually. Aww. I know that. Uh, he has a thing for telepaths, so he loves telepath superheroes. Yeah. I have an aversion to her because she chose Cyclops over my favorite, Wolverine, which I think is just garbage because Cyclops <laughs> is a goody two-shoe boy scout and Wolverine's yeah. a badass. And, you know, <laughs> but that's just my bias, I guess, talking. Um, But I think Jean Grey is, uh, I know that Josh is probably going to be like, number seven? What? (laughs) She belongs way further down the list. Oh, man, I wish he was here so I could hear y'all banter back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) My thoughts are definitely with him. and and Probably on the next episode early on you'll hear, but I have an issue and we need to talk about it. Let's talk about this last episode. I guarantee you he'll say something about that. Oh, that's hilarious. So, number six. Okay. So, I actually did not know about this character until I was telling my boyfriend, like, this list that I was doing. And he said, oh, you've got to look into this one. And he was like, I think you're really, really going to like this character. And so, my number six is Rogue. <laughs> Good choice. Um, I found it really interesting that Rogue's character is said to be from Mississippi. Yes. So I liked that like automatically. And I was initially drawn in to learn about her because of that. And I was like, ooh, that's really cool. But then it led me to really wanting to get to know um like who she was when I were when I read like the first part of her background. So mm-hmm. her name is Anna Marie, mm-hmm. and she's an only ch- uh, only child of Dad Owen and Mom Priscilla. And instead of being focused fully on raising Anna, they were more worried about Native American mysticism and spending all of their time on that. And liter- literally, they didn't care about anything else but that i mean to study it or whatever that's great but you're putting your child to the to the side not even taking care of her at all and um anna's mom priscilla eventually vanished into another realm called farbanks and then her father just took off and you know left her for dead basically Mm -hmm. i'm not sure how old she was when this went down but that's terrible at any age mm-hmm. um it's just like way to be a sperm donor but priscilla's sister carrie started to raise anna and she didn't even have any help doing that so when anna started to get older she was a rebel and a troublemaker she didn't like living with her aunt carrie so she ran away and eventually mystique and destiny were the ones to find anna and um, I'll just refer to her from here on out as Rogue, but 
they took her in and she first started noticing her powers developing after her first kiss with a boy named Cody. But unfortunately, while Mystique was brainwashing Rogue, who was very, I wouldn't say that Rogue was weak, but she wasn't the strongest person maybe emotionally at this point in her life. And Mystique kind of used Rogue's vulnerabilities to force her into the brotherhood of evil mutants. Mm -hmm. And while this was happening, Cody was made to be permanently unconscious when he and Rogue had kissed. So later, like Rogue calls on the X-Men for help because even though Destiny and Mystique warned Rogue about many things, something bad was eventually going to happen. So Miss Marvel and Rogue had a fight, which somehow gave Rogue all of Miss Marvel or Carol Danvers' memories and powers. Mm-hmm. And all of those memories are paired with her own memories and powers, and it was driving her insane. Um, Rogue was loyal to the Brotherhood, but she needed some outside help. So the X-Men come in and they assist um, after Rogue talked to Professor Xavier and the rest uh, of the X-Men, she kind of talked them into it. And so Xavier couldn't help, so he called on Dr. Richard Palance um, mm-hmm. to see what he could do to help control Rogue's powers and all that going on with her. And he got a sample of Rogue's DNA and turned himself into a character named Pandemic, which I just thought, oh my God, the timing here. <laughs> But um, now he was a human mutate who could take from the powers of other mutants. Um, but yeah, that 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 name pandemic absolutely took me out. I was like, no way, <laughs> no, no way. But um, it wasn't long at all before Rogue was really in good with the X-Men. And, you know, she didn't return to the Brotherhood as Mystique really wanted her to. And after that, her story really turns into a wild roller coaster of being traumatized. And it really just sets her mentally into overdrive. And to try to escape the thoughts that she was having, she let Carol Danvers, whose, you know, whole persona, she just let it all wash over her and she battled for control of herself. And then she gets into a fight with Master Mold. And Rogue sacrificed herself, and then she was thrown into a magic portal known as the Siege Perilous. Um, sometime after this happened, she and Carol Danvers double, it's like she and a Carol Danvers double came out of there with their own separate bodies. But not long after that, Carol Danvers was under the control of the Shadow King. Um, but Rogue was on her own for a bit, but she eventually did get back together with the X-Men and they did have to rescue her from the clutches of Mystique again at one point. Um, She ultimately led the Avengers Unity Squad. Um, She flirted with the idea of getting romantic with Deadpool. Um, Earlier on, she was heavily involved with Gambit. But uh, a simple kiss with Deadpool caused some chaos. And most of this I I did kind of gather from um, Marvel.com. So 
if if there's anything that I leave out, there's like so much that I was like, okay, I kind of got to pick and choose what I want to what I want to talk about. But there's so much more on like Marvel.com and DCComics.com about these characters. But um, her powers were that she could imitate powers. She was almost invincible. She had the power of flight, superhuman strength, and superhuman reflexes. So I just I love her story, and I think she she's is, is amazing. Some audio clips and YouTube videos that you need to look up of the animated Rogue um, from the '90s cartoon because she her her tagline is "Sugar." Oh my god! Very Mississippi accent. Oh calls everybody sugar. Oh, I loved. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm obsessed now. I think I'm you're obsessed. gonna. I think you're gonna love this one. Oh yeah. So moving on to uh, Josh's number six, Batgirl. Okay. Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Commissioner Gordon in Gotham City. Um, she has made a huge impact. She was the first real female hero in the Gotham uh, stories. She donned the cape and cow and fought alongside Batman and Robin and Nightwing and all of them. Yeah. Uh, one of her big pivotal stories is... The killing joke story where the Joker escapes and shows up at their front door and shoots her in the abdomen that oh paralyzes my God. her and puts her in a wheelchair. But she is very tech savvy, so she did not let that stop her. Wow. She became the hero Oracle after that. And all she was was she was always in Batman's ear. She was at their base and like hacking oh, into things. And wow. so even though she couldn't fight crime anymore, she was still helping. She is known for her red hair, her intelligence, her hand-to-hand combat, her she's had relationships with Nightwing, a very odd relationship with Batman himself, <laughs> who's much older than her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Batgirl definitely belongs on this list. Um she did not make mine personally, but I am very yeah. glad that Josh included her. It was very hard to keep her off this list because I love yeah. Batgirl. I love Barbara Gordon, especially when she like when she is paralyzed and she's like, you know what? I might not be able to fight, but I can help. And she yeah. uses all of her tech savviness. And I love that so much. Dawn's the name Oracle. And it's just very, much. it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, so my number six is yeah. Captain Marvel. Uh, who you just okay. discussed yes. uh, is who Rogue absorbs her abilities. Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers, who we all have seen recently being played by Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. And she is in the argument these days as one of the strongest Marvel superheroes of all time. She's always in the argument. It's between her, Jean Grey, and uh, Scarlet Witch, all three yeah. women. And I think that's awesome. And Captain Marvel has got super strength and she can fly and she shoots this photon energy out. And it's like um, most recently her storyline is she got her abilities from the Tesseract in the MCU when it exploded uh, back in the 90s. Um, But I really like Captain Marvel um, in the aspects that she is so powerful and yeah. we've never really gotten to tap into too much of it in the mainstream. Um, but there are a lot of comics that do tap into it, and she's a force to be reckoned with. 
she belongs on this list. I'm, I'm maybe causing a disservice having her at six and not higher on my list. You know, well, um, you know, it, it was difficult numbering the list because, I mean, I'm rooting for them all to be number one, you know, so yes. it's yes, just it's it's a hard decision. It is. It absolutely is. So those are our first uh, half. We are going to tep- step away for a quick break. More 30 and Nerding podcasts when we return. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you haunting and horrific reveries about missing people and senseless murders. I also interview survivors and people seeking justice for themselves or a loved one. New episodes come out every Monday morning, and sometimes you'll get bonus episodes on Thursdays. Wherever you're listening to this current podcast right now, you can find Reverie True Crime. Welcome back, nerds. We are going down our list of the top 10 female superheroes in our nerdiverse and i got to tell you i have been educated by Paige a couple of times uh by some that i was not familiar with um and did not know in detail about some of them so kudos to you you have studied and dove in and in all honesty, after listening to your podcast, I expected nothing less. <laughs> well, honestly, now I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have written as much as I did, but now I don't know how to like bring it back and like <laughs> not go so deep into these stories. I'm like, shit, I'm I'm no, taking up way too it. much of, of your it. time. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Part of this podcast is education and we yeah. are educating people. And I'm sure you've definitely educated some listeners oh. and hopefully driven them to go support their local comic book stores and go out and find uh, these comics to read. I hope, yeah, I hope hell that, that yeah, does. Man. Absolutely. So let's get, get the last half of this list in. Number five for you, Paige. Okay. Number five for me is Vixen. I, um, I, I don't know. I just love Vixen. She's got the speed of a cheetah. And she is like the charging force of a bull. She's ferocious as a tiger. And she has the strengths and abilities and attributes of the entire animal kingdom. And her real name is Mary. uh, Is it McCabe or Macabre? I've always pronounced it as Macaw. Okay. Well, I just love that she has the abilities and attributes of the entire animal kingdom that is fascinating to me she can uh, channel these powers through a magical family heirloom Mm -hmm. to battle those who would harm the natural world as the superhero vixen as a child mary saw the greed and corruption that she fights against led to the deaths of her parents so later she discovered that the mysterious I know I'm going to mess this name up. Tantu Totem. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So she discovered that this powerful necklace inherited from her parents granted her the ability to take on the attributes of every animal on earth. She could fly like a hawk. She could breathe underwater and she could just do, she could strengthen her skin to the protective levels of a rhinoceros. Mm -hmm. And I just like, how amazing is that? Like, I, I love animals so much. So Vixen was pretty much an obvious choice to be on my list um, because a lot like me, uh, she she is short tempered sometimes and she can be overly self-righteous, but she possesses like compassion and it gives her a strong and unwavering moral compass. Mm -hmm. So beyond her role as a superhero, she's a model and an animal rights activist, which allows her to use both aspects of her life to protect from humanity, those creatures unable to protect themselves. So Throughout her career as Vixen, she's fought along some of the greatest of the greats in the DC universe and mm -hmm. has even served as a member of the Justice League. Yes, she has. I mean, and her... At one point, I, even dated Jon Stewart's Green Lantern. Oh, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. There's one thing that I found out about Vixen that I didn't know. She was supposed to be the first ever black female DC superhero to have her very own series. But in the DC implosion in 1978, the first issue of what would have been her own series was canceled. And the DC implosion, I had to, I was like, okay, what is this? But it was when over 24 ongoing and planned series were in the works and they all got canceled at yes. the same time. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Oh, yes. she would have been the first ever black female DC superhero to have her own series. Mm -hmm. But she's usually around teams of people like the Justice League and Suicide Squad. Um, so... In 2008, also, G. Willow Wilson started a five-issue limited series called Vixen Return of the Lion. So, yeah, that's my number five. Good choice. I love Vixen. I love <laughs> some of her, her comics. I love her team-ups with the Justice League. I love she's in the um, – if you have HBO Max, anybody, check out Justice League Unlimited. She's in a lot of episodes of that. Um they even play on the relationship that she has with green lantern and that, and that's really cool. Um, so my number oh. or Josh's number five first is Scarlet, Witch, AKA Wanda Maximoff yes. and Scarlet, Witch is uh, also in the argument of strongest in the Marvel universe. She has very interdimensional powers. Um, it's her red things that she shoots out are, hexes yeah uh -huh. technically hex blades i think or, the, or hex arrows is what they're called she recently had a very successful show on disney plus called one division uh played by elizabeth yes. olsen um the third olsen that is honestly more talented yeah uh, yes and, <laughs> um just a fantastic performance by elizabeth olsen in everything that she's done in marvel and scarlet witch uh now fun fact uh most people know is this the actual scarlet witch that's not in the mcu that we're seeing now the scarlet witch of the comics 
is actually Magneto's daughter. Mm. And her brother, Quicksilver, they are Magneto's kids in the comics. Okay, see, I've heard these names, but I didn't know the connections to them But at the time that MCU was building Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Age of Ultron, they had yet to acquire Fox and the X-Men, so they couldn't really use the words Magneto. They couldn't tell that story. So they had to create their own story that they were twins from Sokovia and they took place in these trials and their abilities were given to them in an experiment. But mm-hmm. in actual lore, they are Magneto's kids. So Scarlet Witch is the daughter of Magneto and she becomes one of the most powerful mutants of all time. That's and her defining story is called the House of M. Now, this is this is a very very popular storyline where pretty much um, she she creates her own reality pretty Ooh. much with just the utter of some words. Yeah, she's that that powerful that she just utters some words and that reality <sighs> is created. Can and you even imagine? having that kind of oh my gosh oh it was it was a popular uh 2005 comic book storyline it pretty much consisted of eight uh core issues it's a very very important storyline within the character's uh history and it is one that i highly suggest everyone read um especially if you've seen wandavision Uh, you should definitely read House of M because I would imagine once the mutants are introduced into the MCU, we will probably see this story down the road. Yeah. uh, Quite possibly. So I would highly recommend everyone go check out the uh, eight-issue story of House of M. Um, I definitely want to now. (laughs) Very powerful character. Very, very important on this list and within the women of our nerdiverse. So my number five, though, we've already discussed. Rogue. Yeah, she almost, she, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch almost made my list. And I was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I, I just, there were so many good ones. Like I said, there are so many good ones, mm-hmm. but she didn't, I couldn't do it. But <laughs> I do, I do like, I'm very interested in her and her story. So I can't wait to read more about her. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely recommend it. But my number five is Rogue. Ah. You actually have already uh, <laughs> discussed her. I've read the book on her. I've read the book on her. <laughs> and uh, I love Rogue. I always have. Um, she's always going to be in my top ten unless, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say always because things could change. And I could completely forget this list in ten years. But um <laughs> I've always had a connection with Rogue just because being a kid watching the 90s X-Men cartoon, she, my mom would watch with me and she'd always quote Rogue anytime she'd say sugar. My, my mom for years after watching that cartoon with me would call people sugar, just like Rogue, Aww. sugar. And oh she loved God. Rogue and through her love of Rogue, 
I love Rogue. And yes. it's very hard to not put her on this list for a very Aww. biased reason. Yeah. Other than that. But her abilities, her her storylines with Captain Marvel and her relationships with Gambit and the fact that the the one thing that I think gets so overplayed or underplayed in, in her stories is she can't kiss a boy. Yeah. Yeah. She can't physically touch or show love, physical love without almost killing someone yeah and that's so sad to me that's i know that's when i story. was you know researching that and i read that you know the cody was <laughs> comatose i was like wow that's that's a lot that you can't i don't know about hugs i don't know about any of that i don't know it's like skin if, to skin touch oh oh mm -hmm. yeah skin oh to skin my God. touch if i couldn't give people hugs anymore Oh, that I would know. devastate me. Oh, my God. Wow. So moving on to number four. Okay. My number four is Invisible Woman. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. So Invisible Woman was born as Susan Storm. She also has a brother named Johnny, and their childhood was going great up until a horrific tragedy. Their mom, Mary, lost her life in a car accident. Their father was also in the car, but he lived through it. Um, his name is Dr. Franklin Storm. He was a surgeon, but after he lost his wife, he quit being a surgeon, and the once successful surgeon turned into a gambling addict, um, a drinker, and just wound up incarcerated after he accidentally murdered a loan shark during a fight. And due to the family falling apart, Susan, aka Invisible Woman, takes on the mother figure role to her brother, until their aunt Mary Gay, who is exceedingly kind, caring, and she also ran a boarding house, she was able to get custody of the kids. So while they were living there, Susan started to like this smart and good-looking tenant, and he was a science genius named Reed Richards, who was a university student at the time, and she doesn't see him for a while after that until she's at college in California going after her dreams of becoming an actress. And the guy ends up losing a ton of funding for his Starship project that he had been working on. And he tells his pilot, Ben Grimm, to help him like make a test flight. But it was unapproved. <laughs> but he wanted to get this done before the project was completely closed down. So Susan starts to question and kind of challenge Ben about like, are you man enough to do it? Like, do you really have the courage to do it? Because he was acting like he was on the fence about it. But he finally agreed to do it. And Susan and her brother wanted in on this too and kind of forced their way into this test flight. And all of them do get into space, but these super strong cosmic rays start to infiltrate the starship's uh, safeguard, and it exposes the team, which made them go back to Earth. Well, something crazy happened when they came back, though. They had all transformed into superhumans, and this is when Susan becomes the Invisible Girl. 
And after this, they became the Fantastic Four. And Susan later changes her name to Invisible Woman when she faced Psycho Man, which changed which changed her. So Marvel.com explains her powers and says that she can make herself entirely or partly invisible whenever she wants to. She can also make other people or objects invisible. She can shift up to 40,000 cubic feet of volume. And to do all of this, she mentally twists all wavelengths of light in the surrounding area around herself or a target without triggering any visible warped outcomes. I mean, just crazy wild. And, um, you know, like our retinas show objects that are using reflected light, but Susan's retinas also include forms based on reflected uh, reflected uh, cosmic rays Mm -hmm. which are always there within the atmosphere in detailed concentrations so her lengthy sight permits her to view invisible people and objects though not in technicolor since the cosmic ray reflections skirt around her eyes rods and cones so her sight may be similarly one color when she herself is invisible since her eyes do not reflect light in that condition but um sue seems to have a full range of vision while she's invisible she can identify anything made invisible by means of that go beyond her own powers and she can bring back like her targets to a visible state whenever she wants to. Um, You know, she can make herself or her targets like partially invisible. Invisible woman can project and maneuver near indestructible invisible force fields, which make makes her a a more useful fighter. She -hmm. can produce these force fields physically and within an object which she can make bigger to make explosions happen or within a target's body to kind of render people unconscious or bring about more serious physical suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just wild, everything that she can do. She can uh, form invisible fields into structures so she can turn them into offensive weapons as small as a marble or as large as a 100 feet in diameter like it's 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 crazy just her strengths are insane so i she had to be you know on my list and she can also protect her mind from some kinds of telepathic interference or manipulations so i mean she's just she's rad i really like she's her awesome. she really is she is Considered the first lady of Marvel because they're the first family of Marvel. Yeah. Um, the Fantastic Four. And we soon, hopefully, will be hearing some casting news within the next year, hopefully, Ooh. of who will be playing her in the MCU. Everybody wants every nerd across the world's prediction is that it's Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic and his wife, Emily, as. Sue Storm. So that's we'll have to see then. Right now, it's those two. But uh, this is a character who has been around for so long and told so many good stories. Yeah, and her abilities are uh, 
rarely seen out of any other characters. You yeah, know, they're very there's detailed. So many duplicated abilities, but in in Marvel DC, there's so many heroes and villains that have very similar abilities. And Sue's though weren't really duplicated with anybody. Like it's like Stan Lee made a point to be like, I don't want anyone villain or hero being like Sue Storm. Wow, because she is one of a kind. Right, and, truly. Oh, it really is awesome. Uh, I love I love the Invisible Woman. Josh is number four. Uh, we have discussed Captain Marvel. Awesome. And my number four, we have also discussed Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Great, cool. <laughs> so pretty simple. And yeah. moving on to number three. Oh my gosh. Okay, these last three, really, I really, really. Love them. So, number three, I picked Black Panther's sister, Shuri. Good choice. Very good choice. Um, I absolutely love her. She is sharp as a tack. Um, she didn't really like getting all dressed up for things, even when the ceremony was happening to find out who the next king was going to be. And her brother was like the front runner. She, she was like, I hope they wrap this thing up soon so I can get back into my comfortable clothes and get back to work in the lab. She always supported her brother. She was his cheerleader, always. A tribe leader picked Black Panther to fight, and Shuri was right there rooting for him. And, of course, he won the battle and became the new king. Well, even though she does not have any superhuman abilities, she's a different kind of superhero, which is why she's so high up on my list and I love her so much. She's intelligent. Um, her scientific knowledge and talents are just unmatched. She's not only beautiful on the outside, but she has a beautiful brain. I mean... That is a damn good superheroine in my book. And she's always improving and upgrading technology to help her brother on all of his missions. And eventually she makes this new like Black Panther suit that soaks in kinetic energy. And it can be repurposed anytime that her brother wants it to be. And she gave him so many bits and pieces of equipment that are really helpful. She made um, this super advanced remote driving system, so she was able to join in on missions that were a long ways away from her lab in Wakanda. So now, whenever she did go to these battles, she would wear vibranium gauntlets that would shoot concentrated bursts of energy. So not only is she out of this world intelligent... But she knows how to stand up for herself and her convictions, too. Like mm. anybody that threatened the safety of Wakanda, she was not having it. This one guy named Ulysses robbed Vibranium from Wakanda. And that killed a lot of people while he was running away. But he's spotted in Korea. And Shuri knew just what to do. She was like, uh-uh, no, sir. I'm a badass, intelligent woman. I'm going to make this technology that is going to get your ass captured. And she did it. And obviously, her trusted allies are her brother, Black Panther, her mother. Now, Black Panther and Shuri's um, father died. And 
she's 100% confident that her brother can lead Wakanda into ultimate greatness. And really, she gets along with everyone in Wakanda. And she helps out Captain America and his team at times. And when Thanos started to seek out Vision to get the Mind Stone off of his forehead, which would kill him, Shuri is a vital part of the plan to remove the stone from Vision's forehead without him dying. Mm -hmm. So um, they also worked alongside the Avengers to battle Thanos' army. And according to Marvel.com, soon after Thanos got to Wakanda, he had all six Infinity Stones. He snapped his fingers and killed half of the population in the universe. Black Panther disintegrated, but we don't know whether Shuri was a survivor or not. But she, even if she didn't survive, like, I don't know that whole story either. Even though I said, like, I put Dead Girl at number 10 because she passed away. But, like, this woman, oh, my, the intelligence alone and the scientific knowledge alone, just, I was like, yep. She's going in my top three, that's for sure. Absolutely. She is, um, you know, with the, the very tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Uh, she is uh, the favored storyline-wise to um, carry on the Black Panther mantle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would imagine that Shuri's uh, story is about to get a lot bigger in the MCU and I think that'll be great, you know, even though it's coming out of something very tragic. Mm-hmm. I I would like to see a lot more of that of her character. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Great choice. Oh, thank you. And Josh is number three. As I predicted, she'd be in the top three. Jean Grey, <laughs> who we've talked about. And my number three, we've also talked about Supergirl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh my God. So yeah. it's going to get easier in these last five because mainly because of mine and Josh's list is so similar. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> now I, I want to mix it up. Let's do your number two. First. Yes. Because you were, you were, I'm not going to say bragging, but no, my number one, I am bragging on. Okay. I'm going to tell you. Okay. I, my number one. Okay. okay. Yeah. You said if if anybody has the one I put in number one, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, yeah. We're so, throwing down. Okay. <laughs> so um, number two for Josh is Invisible Woman. Awesome. Who we've discussed. And my number two, and I purposely did not say one thing about her when she was on Josh's number nine, but my number two, and a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy for this, is Black Widow. Well, and I'll tell I'm, you why. Because she's a human being. Yeah. And she does all of this. I'm a very big fan of humans who are heroes without abilities. They could mm-hmm. be like Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing, Arrow, yeah. um, Hawkeye in the Marvel Universe. I mean, I think it takes so much more to be a hero as a mortal yeah than it does with meta abilities and i think that black widow hasn't always been in my top five but i think as of recent years i have read more black widow comics 
than I previously had. I had did a little bit more studying on Black Widow over the previous years, you know, just through like, okay, I want to deep dive more into her. So I know like if a story pops up in the MCU that they use like, oh, that's from this comic. So in those, in that little journey I've taken with Black Widow over the past few years, she started working her way down because I'm like, she's a freaking human being. She's like you and me. I mean, yeah, she was trained in a Russian, you know, yeah. spy school, but she's immortal at the end of the day. She she's gets, still human. She yeah. gets shot in the chest. She's dead. Right. You know, it doesn't reflect off of her like it does <laughs> Thor or her Iron Man suit, uh, which right. I so Black Widow is my number two. And I'm I'm willing to accept all the hate from nerds who think I'm crazy for having Black Widow. I don't, I don't think that's crazy. Like, that's why I really loved Shuri as my number uh, three, because she didn't have any superhuman abilities, mm. but she was smart. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's things like that that are more impressive to me in yeah. this superhero world mm. you know it stands out more i think to me mm -hmm. so josh and mine's number one are the exact same okay wonder woman okay okay i kind of figured that the y'all are safe the embodiment of powerful woman yep. badass comes from the dc universe she is a warrior first she was raised a warrior she chose on her own uh by her own heart and soul to leave the safety of themiscira where she would be with her mother and her sisters in this island protected away from man she chose to come to our realm yeah and save it time and time and time again she is fierce. She is loyal to a fault sometimes. Yeah. To goodness. Uh, no matter who gets in the way, if she disagrees with Superman, she'll put him in his place. <laughs> she disagrees with Batman, she'll put him in his place. Doesn't matter who it is. She is loyal to protecting humanity yes. and peace and justice. Sure. And she is just an overall badass and yes. i love her and she is also this is probably also bias my mom's favorite superhero oh yeah she, mom in old pictures and even today I, I look at mom and i go god you look like wonder woman at times like i was like my mom could be wonder woman you know i, I wouldn't know oh okay. <laughs> uh, but she is she she is number one for oh, both i of love us. that she is uh she is our yes, number one now and I am excited to hear your last two. Okay. So for number two, I picked uh, Katana. Mm. Um, because, man, she just has a badass story. And I know I may mispronounce her real name, uh, Tatsu Yamashiro. Good job. Um, she was born in Japan. And she was taught the ways of the samurai. And she had a great life, an amazing husband, and two terrific kids. Everything was going well until it wasn't. You know, this jealous guy that she had rejected 
killed her whole family. So mm-hmm. now she was out for blood. And this guy that killed her family murdered her husband with a particular sword called the Soul Taker Sword, which is very well known. And uh, it keeps the spirits inside of it that died by the sword. Now she calls herself Katana, and she named herself that after the sword. And her mission was to bring justice down on anyone who hurt innocent people. And she found a home under the guidance of Batman, and she became a part of his team called the Outsiders. Later, she was part of the Suicide Squad, and eventually she was with the Birds of Prey and the Justice League. So she's been on many kick-ass teams. Mm -hmm. But she is haunted by the tragic event that made her who she is. And everyone that does wrong by others should be scared shitless of Katana and her sword. Your, her sword wielding skills are amazing. She's a, she's an exceptional martial artist, supernatural knowledge and master swordsman. So that's my number two. She's a badass. Yes. Very love Katana. Now my number one, would have been Wonder Woman. And I was planning on doing that, but I was like, uh, like, duh, you know, duh, Wonder Woman is definitely number one. But for shits and giggles, I found a superhero from 1939, and her name is Ma Hunkle. And I don't know if you've ever heard of her, <laughs> but you're about to learn. I have not. <laughs> You'll have to look up uh, Ma Hunkle. It's M A space H U N K E L. All right. And she is a, not a, she doesn't have any supernatural abilities. She's a human, you know. Um, <laughs> From DC Comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and her first appearance was either in 1939 or 1940. She was a mother. She worked very hard. Um, She was an amazing cook. And um, she fed large groups of people, including the Justice Society of America. Her costume is the best costume ever. It is interesting. (laughs) She wore red long johns and a cooking pot on her head. Um, Eventually, her identity becomes the Red Tornado. And she gets into fights with criminals around the neighborhood that she lives in in New York City. And her son loved the superhero Green Lantern. So it inspired her to go all out and be a superhero herself. Now, a lot of people thought that Ma was actually a dude, which didn't bother her because it helped protect her identity many times. And she was physically extraordinarily strong. But as she aged, her strength level went down, too. I mean, she's human. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she first appeared in 1939 and throughout the comics until the mid 2000s. And she already seemed a little up there in age when she first made her appearance. So uh, I don't really know, like, if she's still kicking, if, if like, I don't know what's going on with Ma Hunkle since the mid-2000s. But interestingly, 
I've seen that Ma Hunkel was actually called by a lot of people the first transgender superhero. I haven't read much into it, but I definitely, you know, I want to. Some sources call her the first cross-dressing superhero. Um, but either way, I think that's pretty damn cool if that's true, especially for the 30s and 40s. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually to like poke fun at her or to make it funny but i think people in our generation and younger more than likely will be like wow that's actually awesome no matter what the actual intent may have been if that if she really was the first transgender or cross-dressing superhero that's pretty damn cool So um, she was so admired and popular that in the first journey of the Justice Society of America, she made quite the appearance. In this cameo, she went to the Justice Society of America's uh, command center, but get this part. Her pants split right down the middle and she got embarrassed. So she left without even applying to be a part of the team. And later, the Justice Society said, you know what, Ma's going to be an honorary member of the group. And eventually, Ma had a pair of sidekicks, her daughter, Amelia, Sisty, Hunkle, and their neighbor, Mortimer, Dinky, Gibbert. The sidekicks were known as the Cyclone Kids. In 2004, Ma had an appearance in the Justice Society of America's issue number 55, So apparently Ma Hunkle had been in the witness protection program since 1950. And Green Lantern, The Flash, Hawkman, and Wildcat find her. And they let her know that it's okay to not hide anymore because the gang that she testified against in 1950, the last member of that gang was dead. So it would be okay for her to come out now. And she starts to become the caretaker of the Justice Society of uh, America's Manhattan Museum, which was also their command center. So even though everyone loved the Red Tornado, she had kind of left that part of her behind, I guess maybe because of her age. I'm not sure. Um, Eventually... Uh, Ma Hunkle's daughter and now son-in-law, the original Cyclone kids, have costumes and adventures, and it's called Young Justice, and they get together with other Golden Age sidekicks to protect younger superheroes, which is really cool. Um, Her daughter, Maxine, can control the wind. She teamed up with the Justice Society of America, Volume 3, Number 3, in 2007, and she gets the superhero nickname Cyclone. Um, So this is kind of rude, but let's not take it, like, too seriously. Like, I'm all for not body shaming, just to make that clear. But this did kind of tickle me because of the pictures and, like... I read that she was described of having a body of like a roly poly bug and, and she wears these red long johns. So jokingly, she was called the red tomato sometimes. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but that is funny. Y'all take your, you know, sensibilities, you know, remove them just for a second and have a laugh. I'm a big girl. Like I, I still think it's hilarious. Um, Ma Hunkle's weapons eventually become mace and gas weaponry, 
just a shock and delay the bad guys so the Justice Society could fight off the Injustice Society. At one point, she's kidnapped and kept a hostage, and a villain named Icicle freezes her. But she's a resilient old gal, and she only suffered a little cold because they didn't want to actually murder her or even hurt her. They just wanted to keep her in one place while they could rob the JSA. So, in Dark Knight's Death Metal, Ma Hunkel was said to be the overseer of the First Justice Society of America headquarters, and her name was actually the password to get into the Valhalla Cemetery, where deceased superheroes are laid to rest. At some point, Ma did die, but Batman eventually revived her with a Black Lantern ring. I'm not too sure if Ma Hunkel is still kicking today, but... Uh, I think she's probably up there with Wonder Woman in my book. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> That's fantastic. <sighs> I believe you definitely just educated a lot of <laughs> listeners. When I when I came across my uncle and, you know, with the play on words with like my uncle, you yeah. know, you have to wonder was was this a cross dressing or transgender character or like what was really mm -hmm. behind the story of that? Like, I really want to know. So, yeah. Wow. Wonder Woman is definitely, you know, my number one, but. But this, this reading is, about my uncle i mean she's yeah. awesome too this is yeah this is even better <laughs> <laughs> so we had some honorable mentions uh that you know we we didn't want to go at least unmentioned you know gwen stacy yes uh, kitty pride pepper Potts, emma frost uh i wrote down black canary catwoman ah, yes kamiko from the boys x23 wolverine's daughter and I even wrote down White Violin from the Umbrella Academy. I, yeah. I think she is awesome. And the way that Elliot Page has uh, portrayed mm. White Violin in the show has been phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for season three yeah. of Umbrella I, Academy. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, like I had all of you, your, both of y'all's list and your honorable mentions, like I had pages and pages of like just all of these names and then my list all mixed in. And I was like, I want to kind of make an obscure list, yeah. but I don't want it to come off as like not being fair in a way, because I feel like you and Josh are really fair in the way that you made your list. And I was just kind of like, uh, I don't even know why, like how to order my 10 through one. And like, like, is it by strength? Is it by just whatever? Like, you know, y'all did such an amazing job with your lists and, uh, I tried my best. I, I really fantastic. had fun doing it. Uh, you did great. Thank you. <laughs> So much. Yeah, I, I would not even think any wrong thing about it. I absolutely loved your list. Uh, and as I said, I learned some oh, things you. in this episode, and I, which means I know our <laughs> listeners definitely did. Uh, so that that awesome. alone makes that fantastic. Uh, so I'm very thankful. Um, and and before we before we close out, I want to hint again where can the listeners find you 
It's a Reverie True Crime Podcast. And on Twitter, it's Reverie Crime Pod. And that's R-E-V-E-R-I-E. And um, on Facebook and Instagram and also Tumblr because Tumblr is still active. So um, it actually is, you know, it's it's kind of like I, I remember using it at the same time as the MySpace days, I think. But it's mm-hmm. still it's still kicking and a lot of people are still on there. So, you know, why not? Why not be on there, too? So everything else is reverie, true crime. I highly recommend you all check the show out. I love the stories. I love the the passion that you have. And uh, the, the interviews are heart-wrenching. Yeah. Yeah, and, man. And terrifying to, to think that, you know, the, the scariest part about true crime podcasts and documentaries and all that is the word true yeah we 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 just say true crime pods and oh true crime documentaries and but but we we just glaze over true you know like we're yeah somewhat being entertained by someone's dark story and the fact that listening to your show and the respect you have when you're interviewing these people and the respect you have when you're talking and retelling the stories, I applaud you because oh, it you. is a, a big reason that um, 30 and Nerdy is not a true crime podcast <laughs> is because I, I just I don't know how to go about that. And I, it's just such it's so much scarier to me than any demonic movie or or cream or or jeepers creepers anything true like the elizabeth smart or mm-hmm. or bundy or any of that i'm just like oh my god that's oh, way yeah. more terrifying than any ghost like a <laughs> ghost could walk into this room right now and knock everything off this table <laughs> and i'd be less scared than yeah someone yeah. breaking into my house right now exactly it's, and it's, it's scary the thing about it is you know I think we've all read about Ted Bundy a million times, seen so many documentaries, but when you sit down with somebody who literally had their face demolished by him in the, um, the sorority house in Florida, I mean, a lot of people say during my interviews, I have incomplete thoughts and things like that, but you just can't imagine looking at someone and talking to them about something so tragic that you can't even wrap your mind around and I do like I do have incomplete thoughts I have like a million thoughts running through my head you don't know what to say sometimes to console that person and it's like you feel so helpless and I've learned really what now I try to do and will in the future is kind of sit back be quiet and let them talk because if I try to bring anything to it, it's just, it doesn't work because there's nothing I could ever say to, I don't think to make it any better, you know, unless I have a question to ask or something like that, it's just best for me to just sit back and listen. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredibly hard, you know, on, on your heart and mentally, you know, everything to listen 
to these people, look you in the eye and tell you like, this is what happened to me. And it, it made it all so much more real because we know these things happened but then when you sit and you talk to someone that actually went through it it's a whole different level of oh my god it's crazy Uh, i think you do a fantastic job i highly recommend uh the listeners to listen to your show uh check out reverie true crime podcast and Paige, thank you so much for doing this thank you for having me on i had so much fun doing this and i would do it again all over again it was so much fun you know i i was like if my number one is on their list i will absolutely die and so (laughs) well you you should be excited because uh my uncle was not (laughs) in the realm of possibility Uh fantastic it really was it was thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it i love the show y'all are just amazing and great and i just love you both so much thank you so much thank you and thank you nerds for tuning in week in and week out uh can't wait to have josh back thank you again to Paige. and until next time i'm tyler mack Cheers to you. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Join in on the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apodalypse and PodNation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or find us at 30andnerdypodcast.com. This has been the 30andnerdypodcast. Cheers to you, nerds. Nerds.